Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Underrated Podcast. We are the Undercast Company, and as per usual, we're your hosts. I'm Alan Torres, and with me is Ariel Ortiz. Hello. And Derek McDuff. Hey, what's up? And today we're going to be talking about uh, an animated film. I don't think we've done one, have we, before? We did, we did, the- um, uh, fucking, my, my space in this tiny AE. Oh yeah, tiny. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. animated. That's an animated that- or animated. I, my, we've done, we've done animated. a couple of animated, haven't we? Just mm-hmm. tiny. Well, I think that's tiny, the only one. That's the only one. That's wow. the only one. And we, we only did bring one in other some more film. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so, Suicide hey, Club. Yeah, so, but this one's a a double one. Then, if it's an animated film and it's an adult film and it's a foreign film. So uh-huh. boom, we got three, three, and three in it right there and there. We're going to be talking about Perfect Blue, which is a 1997 animated film by Satoshi Kon, and it's based on a light novel. Which a light novel is kind of like, um, I think they're more popular in Japan, where it's it, it's kind of like how we have comic books where they're serialized, like you know they come out every month. For them, they kind of mm-hmm. have a light novel where it's a, uh, you know they'll write a little bit, they'll write a little novel of it, and if people like it, they'll continue writing it. Mm-hmm. You know, not like how we have Harry Potter and they have like one after the other, like a sequel. There's yeah, they, more. Mm-hmm. It's a co- it's not a comic though. It's that actual like novellas, like small novellas mm-hmm. that come out. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a, but... kind of the way they used to release novels in like mm-hmm. the old and like that's how Charles Dickens novels were. Yep, written. Yep. yep, that's yeah. how Zigzag. Like, mm-hmm. Somebody's watched um, um, uh, the man who invented Christmas. <laughs> No, man, I was an English major, so oh, okay. <laughs> I learned about that shit in school. I, I only knew that because of, like, Sherlock Holmes. Like, they're, like, you know, they, they would release yeah. them in the magazine or they would have the little things or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, and it's based on the light novel Perfect Blue Complete Metamorphosis by Yoshikazu Takeuchi. Sorry, I have to look down to look at my notes because those names are a little hard to pronounce. <laughs> but, yeah, it came out in 97, and it, uh, for the anime fans out there, production company Madhouse which is famous for Ninja Scroll, Trigun. Um, li- uh, recently, they did the first season of One Punch Man, which is like an absolute banger. So their animation is gorgeous nonetheless. And yeah, so this was my pick for the week. I, I actually kind of took it up as like a, as a, a grab, no, not a grab bag, but like I kind of just went in blind. I was like, okay, you know what? I want to talk about a movie that I haven't seen, but it's considered underrated and hasn't really been out in the in the mainstream other than like Darren Aronofsky talking about it how where he used a scene mm-hmm. from this film mm-hmm. in in a black swan um, no a requiem for a dream yeah no oh no that was requiem but there is right. a lot requiem of parallels between this and black swan and I'll get into that there you are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so pretty much what this film's about it's about a, a pop idol in Japan you know they have their all pop idols like their little girl bands and stuff and singers and everything like that and uh, her name is Mima and Mima decides that she's going to become an actress. Like she's like, okay, you know what? I want to like further my career. So she retires being a pop idol and goes on to being an actress. And from there on, a lot of stuff starts happening where, you know, there's like stalkers and she feels like she's being followed all the time. And she's kind of like not really succeeding being an actress. Like she's getting kind of like bit parts and she's just kind of struggling, but with all these like stalker issues and like, kind of her own self-esteem and her own mental stability is kind of like breaking her down. And she's kind of seeing things that might not be there or that are there. 
it's pretty much an animated thriller. But yeah, I kind of went in it blind, but I want to hear what you guys thought about it first because I just kind of threw it out there into the ether and said, all right, let's all jump into this blind. Mm-hmm. Derek, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, because I, I, you know, I had heard of this movie. I um, didn't really even know what it was about. Like, I didn't know that it was a thriller. Um, when you suggested it, Alan, uh, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll check this out. Um, but uh, I fucking loved this movie. Like, like instantly, I was like, this is like my jam. Like, I love psychological thrillers. Like, I, I was not expecting this movie to be some, like, Black Swan fucking Shutter Island. Like, like what the fuck is even real? Like, like is like she crazy? Or are we crazy? Like, what's going on? Like, what's you never know at any scene if it's, like, her delusion or if it's, like, this is all some reality. Like, she's created for herself where she pretends she's an actor because, by the way, I just want to say, um, before we get too far into it, like, I want to give, like, a trigger warning to people. There is, like, some pretty intense, mm-hmm. like, there is, like, a rape scene too, actually, kind of, in this movie. Um, and, like, there's some intense, intense stuff in this. Um, nudity too yeah um but like it it you know it's you know it's just kind of like you know deals with all like having all this trauma and you know the price of like fame and like what fans expect from you and it just there were so many twists and i like i thought like this was like a denny valnu animated movie with just like the mind fuckery that was going on like i never knew it was coming next and it and I really appreciate that it was animated because I w- at first I was like, well, okay, it's interesting this is an animated film because it didn't really have that feel. Like, even when I've seen, like, other animated movies from Japan that are not necessarily, like, fantasy movies, stuff like, you know, Grave of the Fireflies and stuff, they kind of, I feel like, always have a certain feel. Whereas this one, I felt like, oh, this could have been just, like, a, um, a regularly done movie. Um, and mm-hmm. it, apparently it was originally supposed to be, but there was like an earthquake in the studio or something. So they like, okay, we'll make it animated instead. But I think it really works to the film's benefit, particularly in the, the back half where like when that, where she starts seeing things and you're the, you know, the real world is kind of blending in with her delusions. And I think that the movie does a really good job of, we talked about um, on our uh, our Patreon exclusive podcast the movie The Invisible Man, and this came about how that movie is about gaslighting, and this movie does give you some of the same kind of vibes. It's like where the movie itself is almost gaslighting its audience while the main person is being gaslit to like she's not sure if she's doing these murders that are happening or if it's what's going on and who this guy is and if she's just imagining him or what, and then can this her the murderers are like, you know, being created by this person who has this ideal of her that she's created. And it's something you see like tragically a lot, you know, with, you know, these people who are these kind of like idolized, you know, figures, these kind of people want their like pop stars or whatever to be like, they see them as these innocent people. And when they kind of try to break out of that, you know, people are like, Oh, they get, they're like, Oh, this person's a slut and blah, blah, blah. And they're dirty now. And, they're not the, this isn't the real person, you know, see it happen to like, you know, anytime anybody from like the Disney channel, like any female mm-hmm. star from the Disney channel grows up, you know, happened with like, you know, Miley Cyrus and Amanda Bynes and all these people. And, you know, even like Zendaya and stuff. And it's, it's really fucked up. And this movie 
you know, predates a lot of that. Um, but it's, it really captures that like horrible, like culture. And, and then the, on the other side, it's like, you have these people that are pushing her to do these things that are really far in the other direction. They're like, okay, you're an actress, you're a serious actress. You got to be in this like rape scene now. And it, it's, it's just like the, she starts to lose her sense of self and she's not even sure who she is anymore because of the ex like she doesn't know where she ends and where the perception of her the real mima begins mm -hmm. and she gets lost in all that and it's a really interesting examination of the psych psychology of that and like it's one of the first times i ever feel like i don't even know if i can properly articulate like all the intense and interesting themes that went on in this movie because it's there's so much and I watched, I'm really glad that I did watch it a couple of days ago um, because I've been thinking about this movie a lot. And <laughs> <laughs> and if I had just watched this and be like, okay, it's time to record, I'd be like, I, I, I wouldn't even know what to say uh, because it's so much like I, the end of the movie, I was just like, fuck, I need to watch this again because it is like one of those movies that it, I think that I would get something from it a second time and I would catch things. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't I probably have more to say, but I just uh, it was really, really up my alley in terms of just movies that are like just mess with your brain and make you doubt everything you're seeing in the best possible way. Like, well done on this pick, Alan, because I would not have this would not have been a movie that I would have just picked out to watch. And so I'm really glad we got to talk about watch it and talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, for, for me, uh, I, you know, I'm not really that much, like, um, I'm not that knowledgeable of, of Japanese culture and, and things like that as much as I would like to. I would like to, of course, go and visit Japan and stuff. But um, besides, like, a few animes that I watch, um, I haven't really seen, like, multiple, like, Japanese things or, or things like cultures like that. So for, for me, going in blind, it was kind of like, me at the beginning just trying to come to terms like okay what what exactly is going on because i know about k-pop and i know j-pop is kind of similar so i was like oh okay like watching the trailer before i i watch this i'm like oh okay it's like she aged out of the the pop group but apparently she didn't that it was just like oh no she made this decision to go into acting and to change up her image because she was tired of being a pop star um so so yeah so like going into that and and kind of seeing that she's making these decisions that that of uh for her career that yes it was like to the extreme but like she was is kind of in a way that she felt that that it had to be done because people would not stop seeing her as this pop star so i kind of like felt for for that from her and just how how deep it could could affect her because at first i was like okay she's making these decisions like like yeah they were kind of like in the background like not really pushing her but saying that no she should do this and stuff like that and then the other one's like no she should go back to pop being a pop star and so but she made the decision ultimately herself and so I, at first, like, yeah, I thought, like, oh, okay, she's doing it for herself. But then, like, yeah, you see that emotional toll that it takes on her and, like, not necessarily anybody telling her to her face that, like, you know, she's dirty or something like that. But, like, 
who she thinks is herself, which now going thinking back to it, you're like, was that, you know, her, her, um, you know, her female agent, essentially, that was like in the background with her or what was going on. So yeah, even now, like you'd like question that, like, what the heck's going on and stuff. And like, tying it back to something that I do know, like, I was like, oh, this is the ending is kind of like Selena, but, but a happier yes. ending. Yes, I was gonna say that. I thought that too. I was like, dude, okay, the ending reminded me a little bit like Selena, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like Selena, but she Selena like got her is ended up living and stuff. She like lived, that. yeah. She survived. Um, yeah, spoilers. yeah. Huh. Spoilers. Um, spoilers for something that's based on real life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, it, it just gets so it like kind of like yeah drew me in and it was really good like i i not i wasn't really expecting it but it ended up drawing me in and then i really liked that the psychological like doubt that that the give it gives the audience wasn't prolonged in a way like like there were it, it, it was gradual to the point where you're like okay okay and then when it really got like like it could have gotten too confusing like her you know her essentially like missing days it seems and stuff like that and then like her is it is it part of the show is she thinking that she's on the show or this that this that it it only lasted about 10 minutes that kind of like extreme element of like doubt you know and psychological doubt um and then yeah it makes you like because you got the the token um creepy guy you know from the beginning you're like okay it has to be him mm -hmm. and stuff like that throughout this whole thing and even when he's like typing you know in the form you think it's all he is that form like he's the one that created and he's essentially having like a dialogue with himself but then when he starts and even when when she kills him you're like okay he was the one completely behind this behind the murders and stuff like that um but then yeah essentially like it turns out to be like uh her her female agent and you're like oh shit <laughs> you know and um yeah it was it ended up being really good like i mean i i really enjoyed it i just i enjoyed the ride that it took took us on it took us on this very gradual psychological thriller that didn't overload the mind so much like you know like a um you know an invisible man or even like a non psych not that kind of psychological but even like a um tenant kind of thing where you're like just confused as hell of what what's going on until like the end when your brain catches up um so i really enjoyed that and yeah the jump <laughs> i got a jump scare from from when like the the stalker guy like she turns around and the stalker is there i like had a jump scare so that was really nice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah but yeah i mean you guys jumped on, on a lot of stuff that that that, that i was going to mention I, I loved it too I, I i was super into it like i mean it was it was something i had on my watch list for many 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 years i think even since like the early 2000s when i was getting into anime but a lot of people well not a lot of people i think um reading about it it just sounded very like intense and i was like i don't know if i'm ready for that i kind of want to because the, the one big thing when i got into anime was that i learned that the japanese are no way similar to us over here in the states with their animation where they they fucking push the boundaries where like mm -hmm. like uh like i said on the alita battle angel uh, episode 
there's a scene where like in, in the OVA, there, a dog gets absolutely fucking blown up, like blood, guts. It's so graphic for an animation. And that, that I think I watched that when I was like 11 or 12 and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, this is not at all what I was like. Because I, I was watching Pokemon and then Yu-Gi-Oh! And then I was like, <laughs> fuck it, let's watch Alita Battle Angel or Battle Angel Alita or whatever. And then <laughs> this dog explodes. And I was like, oh, okay, the Japanese don't fuck around. Cool. So I learned that at an early age. So I think Perfect Blue was one of those movies where I was kind of like, I, I want to see it, but I'm, I'm worried it's going to be super intense. But I'm really glad that I was able to save it up until this point for the episode. And I loved it. I mean, now I feel like I'm okay enough to, to watch it and embrace it. And and yeah, it just, I mean, I'm going to kind of change it up a little bit. I know you, you guys pretty much said a lot of things that I was going to say, but I'm going to go with the animation, which I'm a sucker for like old school 90s, 80s animation, from, especially Japanese animation with like, like I said, Battle Angel Alita, Tenchi Muyo. There's all these great cyberpunk graphic ultra-violent anime films as well from that era where they're super graphic and super intense but they're just absolutely stunning to look at and this film also was on that as well like it's a gorgeous I, I know you guys said like it could have easily been a live action film but i'm honestly very happy it was animated because it was just stunning to look at like i really want to rewatch this movie again but i want to watch it on the big screen like i want to hope after Pand- the pandemic, you know, everything's with with COVID and all that. Like LA, maybe somebody's out there and they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to put on some. Because I've heard of people playing like old cyberpunk animes in LA at, a, at some theater. So I'm praying we get that for Perfect Blue because I really want to watch this on the big screen because it's yeah. it's just absolutely stunning to, to look at. Yeah, no, I, I got to agree. And like the animation, I feel like it's it's not like perfect, but it's it's it does capture a realism that I feel like a lot of other animated stuff doesn't. Like, I absolutely love the Miyazaki movies. They're like my fi- some of my favorite films of all time. And they look stunning. It's like looking at a fucking piece of art. Whereas this isn't mm-hmm. necessarily that. This is like, you're looking at like real life. And it's not as like refined and beautiful, but it is, it's got like a, like a roughness to it that like makes it seem like, like, I don't know if you guys, like I felt like a lot of characters' eyes were kind of like a little too far apart and like they look mm-hmm. kind of like weird and stuff like that. And so it, it and like even like little stuff like I was reading a little article about it, you know, most animes you'd see like, you know, have they have the beginning and there are the girls like the three dancing or whatever. They're slightly they're slightly off. They like don't. Yeah, like, most I animes, they would be exactly in tune. Mm-hmm. But, they, but they said we did it like had them just be a little bit off because you, in real life you could never be exactly on. So like, I love that like attention to detail and that like it is does you're like, OK, yeah, this is from the 90s and it is like, you know not the most pristine thing, but it has that realism that you just do not see. And I, I really did appreciate that. I think too, um, part of that, I think they even kind of poked fun at that as well, because like, yeah, like you said, there's some characters where their eyes are apart, but I think that's also just trying to show that like some people are just, they're not always attractive. Mm-hmm. A lot of animes, especially nowadays, you know, with, everybody being so horny for every anime <laughs> character and stuff. They're always gorgeous. You know, they look great. They're buff or they're just oversized breasts and ass, or they're just like food wars, food wars, all that stuff. But what I liked is that there's this one quick scene. I think when those like otaku guys that are fans of, um, uh, Cham, the, the band, and then the stalkers there, 
they like right before they go into it, like a like an otaku kind of like pop culture store. There, there's like this image of this super chibi, like overly anime character. She has like big red hair. She almost looks like a like um like a sailor sailor scout kind of thing. She's wearing like the like a dress or whatever and like a skirt and like she's super like oh my god like chibi and all that. It's super quick. It's like it's like maybe 20, 30 minutes into the movie, and then like. It, the I think it, I think the poster was on a door and then it the door opens like a sliding door and then the the dudes walk in and then there's you see the realize the realism of just like these asshole fucking fanboys and shit yeah and like stalkers all creepy like I feel like that was like a nod to itself of like mm-hmm. you know the, the not everything's always as cute and pretty as you think it is kind of thing I think and the one like, oh, I'm sorry go ahead Alan oh no and then I was just gonna jump on like you said how like what, uh, when they were performing, they were off. I was like, that was completely intentional. I was like, they had to have done it on purpose. And like, I feel like the one thing that was like very like actual anime esque was like the the alternate, the like the real Mimi, you know, like or Mima, um, and like it just how like she when she would see her like fake version, like you know, like when you see the stalker and you see like in the window, the like that was a very like you know, anime version of someone because it was, you know, an idealized version. It wasn't, she wasn't real, you know? And I think yeah, that Yeah, she that had was, the twinkle. Yeah, exactly. She had like the little, mm-hmm. you know, anime twinkle and because it, it was an idealized, impossible version of a person. And I really like the kind of dichotomy, you know, because it's something that comes up a lot in psychological thrillers of like a person and I, an idea of a person. And I think that this, what this movie did, like, I really love psychological thrillers. But there's very few, I, like I can name on maybe one hand, the ones that I like, I'm like, yeah, this is like one of my favorites because they are so hard to pull off because the ending has to be like, mm-hmm. like I think the endings are the hardest part. Like a movie that I really, really like, for example, Prisoners, uh, the ending is just fine. Like it just kind of, it's like, oh, and here's the thing. There's not, like Twist is kind of just like, yeah, fine, whatever. Like it just kind of ends. Like it's a really good movie, but like there's, the ending is just like, man, then everything you expected kind of just happens whereas this one like it this ending is is perfect and it's a very very difficult thing to kind of pull off that ending that just like perfectly resolves everything and it mm-hmm. it both makes sense and surprises you you're like okay of course it would be her agent because she's the only person that she was talking to that said the thing like there's no way the guy would ever know those details she was the only person around it makes sense when you think back on that that and she then said, she was pushing the the pop st- return to pop star and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it makes mm-hmm. total sense, but it's, you don't mm-hmm. think about it when you're watching at the time because you're distracted by mm-hmm. this stalker guy. And so it's mm-hmm. it's it's really there's very few movies that have given me su- such a sense of satisfaction at the end of a thriller like this. This one's an all timer for me for for that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was very satisfying too because, like, besides her surviving and stuff like that, she did in the end end up getting what she wanted. Like, you know, when she was walking out of the out of the hospital, like, you know, the nurse is like, "Did you see who that is?" and stuff like that. So she ended up getting to push through, and it, it's alluded to that she became that star mm-hmm. that she's always wanted to, and broke that mold that she people had or that concept that people had so in a sense like that's even it's even metaphorical that she like kind of like beat the person that you know was like trying to keep her there or wanted to keep her there you know she it's kind of like metaphorical in that way that she kind of beat that 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 image of herself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because like throughout the film she's like 
kind of fighting to figure out who she is, like where she's like, I'm the pop idol. And then she's like, no, I'm the actress. And then she's also like, oh, now I'm like this person or like, I think she, she models for a little bit too. And she's just like kind of trying to figure out who she is. And then after the whole filming the, the rape scene for the, the film, what was like a film double blunt, double bind or whatever. It was like, it was like a, it was, it was like, a a, series. like a series, like a series. Yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Like with that, like even with that, like she was like always struggling to figure out who she was. And then like, there was that scene of her being like, who am I? Like, am I me? Like, like she couldn't answer that question for herself until the very end where she's like, I know she looks at herself in the mirror or the rearview mirror. And she's like, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, even I'm not going to lie, even that, <laughs> even though they were filming that rape scene, that scene was just so jarring. I felt like that scene was terrifying. Like yeah. that scene yeah. really and had me was, like really was, uncomfortable. Like, yeah, yeah it's I also would like, be kind careful of, like, watching this in, movie, you know, because yeah. it could definitely trigger some shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also like, I mean, I, it plays into, yeah, like what emotions would go into like somebody filming that scene, you know, mm-hmm. like it's always that scenes being filmed like that are always going to be super hard. And I, I did kind of like find that like, some kind of like solace in that the guy you know that was on top of her yeah. he's like i'm so sorry you know mm-hmm. and stuff like that and yeah it kind of like it was a very interesting like thing that i wasn't expecting to like kind of get at least that kind of like realism mm-hmm. of what filming a scene like that would be you know yeah because a lot mm-hmm. of movies will just kind of like use like a rape thing as like a kind of like a you know a cheap plot to you know how it could be mm-hmm. like make them like them more intense or whatever and like you know, it is kind of like, like I've seen, you know, there'll be like lists of movies that are like, these are all the movies that just like, you know, even like I watched Waterworld recently and there's like an attempted rape in that. And you're like, why is this in fucking Waterworld? You know, like, yeah. and it this kind of, you know, it, it does have like a real scene like that later on in the movie, but it, it doesn't feel cheap. It feels like it, it is saying like, this is something that like, you know, movies and like TV, like kind of like commodify for cheaply, you know, and, and I don't know. It's just... It's hard to put into words, but like it, it is something that I think the film does a really good, mature job of addressing, and how other films will kind of like use just at a shock value, whereas it does not feel like that at all. It is a kind of a commentary on how films will kind of treat their actresses and you know just use them for stuff like this. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's essentially what it was. Like she was being used. Like they're like, well, we need to like get that shot. Like they, they themselves that. The, the program double bind that they were trying to film was that they were like, we need to push the boundaries. We need to like, all right, well, me, me, Mima's new. So like, we can probably make this scene with her and you know, it'll, it'll give more shock value to the show. And but, like, that's exactly, I think what they were com- the, the mm-hmm. director of the film of perfect blue was trying to commentate with the double bind series in the, in the movie. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like truthfully, she, she kind of like, that and like with those scenes, they they most of the time don't really pay off for the actress themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, thankfully for her, like it did end up, um, you know, paying off for her because she got that that more expansive role and a deeper kind of like way to show her acting and stuff like that. And then you know, of course to more to fool the 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 audience more that very very much reflected 
you know what her her current life is with the stalker and with the and all that and put, like potentially putting that question of dual personality and stuff so but you know that's something that that sometimes does not pay off for the actor or the actress to kind of do those risky scenes just because they want to like break that mold and mm-hmm. like i know that that um Eric, you were saying like you know Zen- you mentioned Zendaya in your like list of Disney Channel stars. I think for her actually she's been able to do it in a similar way that that Mima did in this, where she kind of like gradually like showed her maturity. It's kind of more stepwise, and then to the point where now she kind of has those like more intense scenes i know like she has some intense scenes and like euphoria and stuff like that but but it's in a way where she kind of like grad she gradually like broke out of that that um disney channel like kid role because specifically from like things like euphoria and mm-hmm. stuff, so yeah yeah because i do think it is getting better than it was with stuff like that but you know there's still like you know Oh, like there's still like yeah. a lot of work mm-hmm. that needs to be done with that. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, the expert on saying what is good and what isn't or anything, but I think this movie, you know, does a good job of kind of like illustrating a lot of the problems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then um, I think when you guys mentioned like the parallels to like Black Swan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought lot. that. More so, like, well, with Black Swan, it was a figment of her imagination and her, her amalgamation of her own, like, kind of psyche. Whereas this, like, that's the thing is that I don't know for sure is was part of it an amalgamation of her psyche, or was it always yeah. the the you know the um the, the agent, yeah, yeah, the manager agent, agent yeah. And I mean, yeah. honestly, at the end, I was like, it could have been like it could have been she like her she could have been just somebody. Who like that thing where they had that scene where she was like the detect like it's on the show and they're like oh she was like a club dancer and like this is the way she created this reality to deal with like what happened to her and mm-hmm. I was like maybe that is like maybe the whole rest of the movie is just that reality you know like it it could be you know like I don't think so but like I think that you're left with the question like you know like you don't you don't you're never really sure exactly what's real you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you were saying with Black Swan, though, like I think, you know, something that, you know, Aronofsky, who obviously he said that this wasn't directly inspired, but I think it, you know, maybe subconsciously, because it is like, you know, a story about a, you know, female entertainer who desires to be taken more seriously and then is kind of like, you know, sexually kind of taken advantage of and put in these situations that are, you know, borderline abusive, definitely abusive in Black Swan um, and kind of like has has these dual identities kind of come out of it. Um, so I think, you know, there are definitely some obvious parallels between this and Black Swan because Aaron Aronofsky said he is like a really big fan of this film. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you don't know, like that's the reason why when I watch the trailer, I'm like, oh, it's this movie because um, the scene where she's screaming in the bathtub is was directly recreated in Darren Aronofsky's um, um Requiem for a Dream with, with Jennifer Connelly, like screaming into the water in a bathtub. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, for for you guys listening. I, I we will say this: it's probably one of the most intense films I think that we've reviewed. So yeah, 
you know, trigger warning, just, you know, when you go out and watch, yeah, it's an animated film, but it's, it's pretty, in, it gets intense, mm-hmm. but it's definitely, you know, a worthwhile watch. It's, it's really good. And like for any film buff, I definitely think it's, it's a film to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I gotta agree. I, I do recommend this, you know, with the caveat of like, know what you're going into, um, you know, like be, you know, watch it. You got to be in, you know, the right state of mind to watch this movie for sure. You know, and, you know, if it's something you do want to watch. Um, but I, I think it is, like you say, like, it, like if you're a fan of cinema, like this is this is a, an extraordinary piece of filmmaking that I think that um, anybody who, you know, prides themselves on watching and enjoying movies should definitely add to their list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely recommend. Yeah. And it is, you know, like a movie that is not as well known in the States. Like, I don't think it really got a proper release until like, because I was looking at all these stuff and it like, you know, it didn't really get, I don't think released until they did a like a re-release kind of like a couple of years ago in like 2018 or something. But I couldn't find any information on the original U.S. release in the 90s or anything. It looks like it, it has been just kind of like one of those under the radar movies that like people eventually saw when it came out on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff. But it's kind of just floated under the radar for Western audiences, um, you mm-hmm. know, other than like people who are big film buffs, you know, like your Aronofsky's mm-hmm. and your, all those people. Um, but it, it should, you know, I think, you know, probably reach a wider audience than just kind of, you know, the people who the, you know, the upper echelon of like film nerds. Like, I think everybody should check this movie out. Not everybody. Um, <laughs> because I know some people will not, um, appreciate it i guess but uh yeah if you pride yourself on watching movies this is one to watch yeah well there you have it uh thank you guys for joining us again i hope you guys enjoyed it enjoyed the episode and did you guys want to plug any plug your guys's uh, stuff yeah so i i have a podcast um that came that's been coming out it's every the first day of every month so the first um the it's called You've Never Seen It Question Mark Exclamation Mark. Um, it's on any um, podcasting app that you stream from. Um, just look for the lady in green screaming. It's um, essentially me introducing uh, my fellow castmates right here or my bro- or the bro um, to a movie that they've never seen, but it's considered a piece of pop culture. Um, the latest episode is I actually. Um, had Alan here um, watch the watch the Goonies for the first time, so that one's the one that just came out. So please just go and give it a listen and, and enjoy. Yep, and then yeah, um, while you're at it, check out I got a show called Gateway Episodes where I intro- uh, people either introduce me or I introduce people to um, kind of iconic TV shows, um, you know, based on watching one episode and. Uh, you see, we see if that's something we'd want to get into. Um, and then also we're going to be my, uh, there's this other kind of podcast that updates pretty infrequently that we do called Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, uh, where we talk about the MCU, but with WandaVision wrapping up, uh, I know I'm going to, this is, as we're recording it, it's going to be the last episode comes out tomorrow. So I'm going to probably watch that at midnight tonight. Um, but we'll be, you know, by the time this episode is out, we should have our WandaVision episode out. So go ahead and give that a listen. So, yeah. Definitely, and then I, I think uh, we might be, we kind of mentioned it, or we didn't mention it, but I mean, me and Derek were kind of talking about it. Uh, I mean, I think even for a while we've all been 
kind of talking about because um the big swing episodes were so much fun that little mini series was a lot of fun to do so maybe we're thinking of doing something else upcoming so for for another little mini series for underrated so keep an eye out for that cool well thank you everybody for joining us i appreciate it please you know just uh jump on our socials reach out to us we really want to hear from you guys we want to know what films that you guys feel are underrated and maybe you recommend us to watch so you know big thanks to everybody listening out there we really really appreciate it and we just want to hear from you guys so yeah thank you so much yeah see you in another life thanks for being amazing take it easy everybody